You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. indeed by Jesus Christ. We need to walk in that freedom. We need to experience that freedom. The love of Christ constrains me. It keeps me from going outside that parameter of God. The love of Christ compels me to continue to stay in that parameter and love him with all my heart, with all my mind and soul. Am I perfect? No. Do I fail? Yes, I do. Sometimes I stick a leg outside the parameter. Sometimes I stick the whole body outside the parameter, and it's not good. As Christians, we know that God saved us from death, but do we truly live as though we are free? In today's message, Pastor Dave wants you to know that you need to let the parameters of God's love be freedom for your life. The things that He asks of you are because He wants what's best for your life. Be set free by His grace. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Nehemiah chapter 9 as he continues his message, A Prayer of Remembrance. After all they did against him, all they did and came against him, he did not forsake them. We have a promise from God that he'll never leave or forsake us. We have that promise. So I love that. He's, he, look, at, look at this beautiful description. God is ready to pardon. Through Jesus Christ, our sins have been forgiven. We've been pardoned, right? We're gracious and God's grace is immersible, slow to anger. He's abundant in kindness that he doesn't forsake us. Even when they made a golden molded calf for themselves. Remember, Moses was on the, on, the, on the mountain for 40 days, and they made a calf, Aaron fashioned a calf out of gold, and they were making him, they said, this is your God. And Moses came down and said, what did you do? And Aaron said, well, they gave me their gold, I threw it into the fire, and this calf came dancing out. Yeah, okay, Aaron. Great excuse, great excuse. That didn't fly very well. And said, this is your God that brought you up out of Egypt and were great provocations. Yet in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake him in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not depart to them. They did led them on the road, nor the fire of night showed them the light, the way they should go. You also gave your good spirit, there it is, to instruct them. All of the interesting things that were made for the tabernacle in the wilderness, all of the belongings, God filled the artisans with the spirit so that they could be able to do the work to create all these things. And there's no coincidence that I just finished Exodus and I'm going into Leviticus. I just went through Genesis and Exodus in my private reading and I'm going into Leviticus. No, no coincidence here. And did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations and divided them into districts and they took possession of the land of Shehan and the land of the king of Heshbon and the land of Og, king of Bashan. And you also multiplied their children as the stars of the heaven and brought them into the land, which you had told their fathers, God is so faithful. Do you see the faithfulness of God going on here? 
And it's beautiful as their remembrance. This is a prayer of remembrance. They're remembering God and all that he did. I think this is a, a model for us. I think this is a model for us. If you're going through a hard time, remember all that God has done for you. All that God has done. To go in and possess so the people went in and they possessed the land. You subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into your hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them what they wished. And they took strong cities and a rich land and possessed houses full of goods, cisterns already dug, vineyards, olive groves, fruit trees in abundance, and they ate and were filled and grew fat. And they delighted themselves in great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you, cast your law behind their backs and killed your prophets who testified against them to turn to them to yourself that they work great provocations. Therefore you delivered them into the hand of their enemies who oppressed them and in the time of their trouble when they cried out from you, you heard from heaven. And according to your abundant mercies, you gave them deliverers who saved them from the hand of their enemies. Now you can go through the judges every time they had a problem. God sent a judge to them that would help them, a deliverer, so to speak, that would get them out of trouble. But after they had rest, they again did evil before you. Therefore, you left them in the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried out to you, you heard from heaven and many times you delivered them according to your mercies and testified against them that you might bring them back to your law Yet they acted proudly and did not heed your commandments, but sinned against you, your judgments, which if a man does, he shall not live, shall he, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they shrugged their shoulders, stiffened their necks, and would not hear. Yet for many years you had patience with them and testified against them by your spirit and your prophets. Yet they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the land. Wow. So they just started rehashing history. This is a prayer of history. They're remembering all the things that God did. And notice what they're remembering. They're remembering all the good things that God did, and they're remembering all the bad things that their forefathers did. You know, I like that. You did this, but we did this. And you did that, but we did this. And it's, it's really interesting that they're bringing all this stuff up. It's almost like Ezra was Ezra was speaking, they are identifying with the nation's sin. They're identifying with the nation's sin. You know, it goes all the way back. I mean, we, we could talk about this for a long, long time, but the second battle in the new land, the second battle was against what city? AI, right? AI. Jericho was the first city. They sacked that Remember, they went around it seven times and all that kind of stuff. Ai was a city that they should have destroyed, but they didn't really go to God about it. And they went into the city, and they got their butts kicked. And they lost a lot of people, and they came back. And Joshua said, Lord, why did this happen? He said, because there's sin in the camp. One family sin cost the entire nation a problem. One family sin cost the entire nation a problem. And they had to get them all lined up, and they had to go by, and it fell on Achan and his family. And they ended up having to stone them and kill them all. And the next time they went back to Ai, they were able to conquer it. But one family. So sin affects more than you. Sin affects more than just you and your family. Sin is widespread and goes into deep. And when there's sin in the camp, it has to be rooted out. And we got to get rid of it. Because God won't bless it if they're sitting in the camp. 
But they've been listening to the word of God. They've been reading the law of the Lord from morning till noon. And so with all these things that we're reading in the first five books, then so there's an acknowledgement of God. You were faithful, God. You kept your word. But our fathers, ay, 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 they failed. They always failed on their part. So many times we're always wanting to blame God. Well, God did this and God did that, you know, all that kind of stuff. But what about us? What about our failure? What about failure on our part? Because God is always faithful. God is always faithful, even when we're faithless. God will always keep it word. We're the ones that have failed God. Never God fails us, because perfect love never fails. The failure is always on our part. He says, but our fathers dealt proudly. They remember what God did. He formed the nation in verses 7 through 18. He led the nation in verses 19 through 20. And then he chastises those he loves. We must take time in every day to acknowledge God's goodness and mercy in our lives. We are undeserved always. We don't deserve it at all, no matter what our circumstances. He is so worthy. And then we see the amazing grace of God as we finish out the chapter from 31 through 38. Nevertheless, I love that. They're talking about all the times that Israel failed. They're talking about all the times that they did this, they did that. And he says, nevertheless, in your great mercy, oh, you did not utterly consume them nor forsake them, for you are God, gracious and merciful. Oh, man, man. Goodness, love, and mercy, we sang it tonight. We sang about his goodness, his love, and his mercy. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and awesome God, who keeps covenant and mercy, do not let all the trouble seem small before you. That has come up upon us, our kings and our princes, our priests and our prophets, our fathers, and on your people from the days of the kings of Assyria until this day. However, you are just in all that has befallen us. Notice that word. God is a just God. We've got to get that into our minds as we study the rest of Revelation. God is a just God. Everybody has an equal chance. We're all on equal playing field right now. Except Jesus Christ, sins are forgiven, you're going to heaven. But if you don't, then you have to face God's wrath. And that's where we are in the book of Revelation. So we're all on the same playing field right now. God's grace, we are called, it's called the dispensation of grace, where God's grace is continually abounding. But we've read that that is so in one day, come out, for you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. Neither our kings nor our princes, our priests nor our fathers have kept your law nor heeded your commandments and your testimonies, which with you testified against them. For they have not served you in their kingdom or in any good, many good things that you gave them or in the large and rich land you set before them, nor did they turn from their wicked ways. Here we are, servants today, in the land that you gave to our fathers." Eat its fruit and bounty. Here we are, servants in it, and it yields such, a, such much increase to the kings you have set over us because of our sins. Also, they have dominion over our bodies, over our cattle, at their pleasure, and we are in great distress. And because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. Our leaders, our Levites, and our priests seal it. God was always good to the people. He was always good, always showing mercy, always showing grace, even though they were not good to him. I mean, how many of you can testify that God's been good to you when you haven't been good to him? I can. 
I can. There's been times when I don't think I've been good to God, but yet he continues to bless me. He continues to overwhelm me with his love. That's what grace is getting. He's getting what you don't deserve. He says, you have dealt faithfully with us, but we've been wickedly to you. See, how good is our God? Even though after all this, we fail so much, but he's so good. Even though we all harden our hearts at times, his faithfulness, his mercy, his grace, his patience constantly comes to us. Wow. And he won't forsake us. He will never leave his people. He will never, ever leave his people. That is a promise from him. Even though they have turned their backs and forsaken him, he is still faithful. This is what the entire book of Revelation is about. The entire seven-year period of the tribulation is about God's children, Israel. Because he still is going to deal with them. Even though they turned their backs on him, he will not forsake them. How glorious is our God? How glorious is our God? And then he gave them the good spirit to instruct them. Because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Holy Spirit teaches us and leads us into all truth of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit continues to teach us. What an important acknowledgement to make. God, you are just in all your way. There are people today who are constantly challenging the justice of God. Some of you have challenged the justice of God as we go through the book of Revelation. How can a God of love do this? How can a God send a man to hell? And All those things. Challenges the justice of God. But God is absolutely fair. He is absolutely just. The whole picture. God, you were fair. You were honest. You were right. But we're having a terrible time. They're saying, we're servants in this land. We have kings ruling over us. Remember, the king of Assyria, Artaxerxes, and all that. They're ruling over these guys right now. The king of Persia are ruling over Jerusalem right now. They're not free. God wanted them to be free. God wanted them to have their own, to be free. So God, we want to renew our covenant with you. We want to make it right because we know you want to make it right. I love that. That's an important step. We want to make a covenant with you. We want to sign a new covenant. Lord, we want to put our X on there and say we want to walk in your ways. We want to renew the covenant. Great idea. With a great purpose. And then we have the guys who signed the covenant coming up in chapter 10. All the people who signed this covenant. See, God intended them to live in freedom. But they said, we're servants of you. And although the walls were up and they were back in Jerusalem, hallelujah, they were still serving the king of Persia. The Lord intends for every single Christian to live and walk in freedom. Every single one of us should live and walk in the freedom of Christ. But though the walls of salvation through Jesus Christ are up and we are free within those walls, we are living in a world under the dominion of another king. The world is under the dominion of Satan. Inside the parameters that God has set for us, we're free. But when we go outside of those parameters, we make ourselves slaves. When you go outside the parameters of God, you become a slave. This is why we're told in Galatians 5 verse 1 to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Sin entangles us. Sin ensnares us. Sin keeps us bound up. It's outside the walls of God. It's outside the will of God for our lives. But unfortunately, even as Christians, we often go outside the walls, don't we? We often make our way outside the walls because we're curious. We want to see what's outside. We want to look outside the walls of God's perimeter, and we do that. That's why within the lives of some Christians, they are varying degrees of slavery. They're in slavery. What kind of slavery am I talking about? 
I'm talking about the slavery of drugs. I'm talking about the slavery of alcohol, the slavery of pornography, the slavery of gambling, the slavery of uh, sexual immorality, the slavery, all those different things that make us slaves. All the things that hold us down, we call them addiction. We call them addiction, but they're really sin. Sin that weighs us down and bears us down because we're dabbling outside of God's parameters. We're outside the walls. God has put us in his secure hand. He's given us everything for a life of godliness, but yet we choose, because we have free will, to go outside of the walls. And when we go outside of the walls, then there are consequences to pay. Consequences to pay. And that's what's happening here. These subtle enslavements are very, very dangerous. A little lying here, a little jealousy, a little envy, a little greed, a little gossip. Wanting that God has not provided, make me slave of the flesh. We become slaves to our own flesh. To the old man, when he rises up, we become a slave to him. Christ has set us free from all that stuff. How did my voice get that high? <laughs> Christ has set us free. We are free indeed by Jesus Christ. We need to walk in that freedom. We need to experience that freedom. The love of Christ constrains me. It keeps me from going outside that parameter of God. The love of Christ compels me to continue to stay in that parameter and love him with all my heart, with all my mind and soul. Am I perfect? No. Do I fail? Yes, I do. Sometimes I stick a leg outside the parameter. Sometimes I stick my whole body outside the parameter. and It's not good. For genuine revival to take place in our hearts, in our church, in our city, in our country, we have to do several things. First of all, we need to acknowledge the goodness and mercy of God even if we don't deserve it, because none of us deserve God's goodness. None of us deserve God's mercy. But we need to acknowledge it. We need to recognize our own sinfulness. Too many of us want to say, but what about him? What about that person? What about them? No. What about you? Remember, when the Bible holds the mirror up, you're the one looking in the mirror. What about you? What about you? Don't worry about them. Don't worry about them. Jesus told Peter, don't worry about him. If I should let John live until I come back, what's it to you? You follow me. It's the same thing. We don't worry about what other people do. Everyone needs a savior. Every one of us need a savior. There is no one who doesn't need a savior. So we need to acknowledge the goodness and mercy of God. We need to recognize our sinfulness and we need to have a broken heart for sin. There goes that high voice again. (laughs) We have to have a broken heart for sin. A broken and contrite heart I will not despise, says the Lord. A broken heart that is truly broken over sin, not because you got caught, but truly broken over sin. When your heart feels about sin like God's heart feels about sin, then you're on the same page as he is. What did David say? Oh, Lord, against you and you alone have I done these things. Godly sorrow leads to that repentance. A godly sorrow. A true repentant heart. And then we need to renew our obedience to the word. It says it here, I have to apply it to my life. I can't just pick and choose which ones I like to buy by. I can't look at these things and go, well, I like this one. Yeah, I can do that. Oh, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. No, we have to take it all. Because it's either all the word of God or none of it's the word of God. And we either take it all into our heart or we don't take any of it into our heart. And I know this isn't easy. I'm not saying it's easy. Believe me, I'm not saying it's easy. 
I've been trying to do it for 31 years, and I still haven't gotten there, and I won't get there until I see Jesus face to face. It's not easy. It's difficult. But we need a fresh new commitment to be faithful and obedient, a commitment to stay within the walls that God has provided for us and stay out of the grips of slavery. Don't dabble. Don't mess with that kind of stuff. Don't even think about it. Don't even look at it. Try to stay away from it. Remember what he said? Remember what what they did here? What did they do? They separated themselves from the foreigners. That's the picture. Separating yourself from those things that are going to pull you down. If you can't be around alcohol, don't go into a bar. Don't hang out with people who drink. If you are an addict from, from some sort of a drug abuse, don't hang around with those who use drugs. Don't think, well, I'm going to hang around them because I'm going to get them saved. Well, that might happen, but, you know, you're playing a dangerous game. You're outside of God's parameters. you got to be so careful, folks, so careful. Now, God may lead you to one of them. He may lead you to several of them, and that's great. You follow God's will. When he leads you, he will give you the, the strength to do what he called you to do. I love the prayer of remembrance. This is where we're going to end. I love the prayer of remembrance. I love remembering all that God has accomplished in my life. And I love to go back. And I got, I told you before, I got boxes and boxes and boxes of journals. And I love to take them out. I love to go through them. And Oh, look what God did here. Look what God did there. Oh, my gosh. How It's just so good to see. I'd rather look at that. And I know we're supposed to forget those things that are behind us. But this is encouragement to me. And this helps me to move forward in his love, knowing that he was faithful back then. Why won't he be faithful now? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I don't dwell on the bad things. Seeing from whence I've come, seeing how far I've come, I know God is ever faithful. And he will complete the work in me, just like he will complete the work in you. Because that's what it says in our scriptures. We need to trust in him. We need to read his word. We need to let it permeate our heart. We need to have it draw us closer to him so that we can worship him. And we need to look at the word like a mirror. And when it points out a sin, don't go, not me. Got to be for somebody else. Hey, did you read this? You need to read this. No, you need to read it. You need to look at it. And then make the necessary changes in your life. And sometimes it's just getting before God and say, God, I'm guilty. I confess. I've done these things. Help. Help. Remember those shotgun little telegraph prayers of Nehemiah's? Lord, give me strength to get through this. Lord, help me. Those are great little prayers. We need to trust in him. We need to read his word. We need to obey it through our worship. We need to obey it through our prayer. We need to obey it through our devotion and service to him. We need to obey God. And that's what they're doing. They're making another covenant with him. Did they keep it? Probably not. Probably not. We lead all along back and forth how they didn't keep their covenant with God. But God always kept his covenant with us. And you know, I made a covenant with God through Jesus Christ. Christ has already kept the covenant. He's doing the work. As I trust and rest in him, the work is going to get completed. Amen? That's going to happen that way. He's did it all. He's done it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left the crimson stain, but he's washed me white as snow. Amen? You are a sure.
Thank you for joining us today for A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Pastor Dave has been digging into the book of Nehemiah. This book chronicles the adventures of Nehemiah as he goes from being a cupbearer to a foreign king to leading people as they rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. When he hears about the city lying in ruins, vulnerable to the world around it, Nehemiah was troubled and he prayed. When his moment came with the king offering him anything he wanted, Nehemiah knew first to run to the Lord in prayer. No matter who was on the throne in the world, Nehemiah knew that God remains on the throne of heaven and he maintains control over all of it. What's troubling your heart today? All you need to do is remember that God is God over all. Take your troubles to him today. Here at Assure Hope, we would love to bring you to the Lord in prayer as well. Give us a call at 609-884-5821 and share your prayer requests with us. Once again, that number is 609-884-5821. We look forward to your call. Assure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Are you in the area? We'd love to see you this Sunday. Head on over to AssureHopeRadio.com to find our location and service times. Once again, that website is AssureHopeRadio.com. Well, that's all we have for now. We're so glad you decided to spend time with us here today. We'll be back soon with more right here on Assure Hope.